yeah. at the award show for transitions, the transitions <laughs> there would be the best. Yeah. They'd have to be. Germany just won. It is not over yet, Eric. It is not over yet. That's the sound of Micah watching the World Cup instead of recording Game of Owns, 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 Owns. Well, see, the thing is, at least you can watch the World Cup as you record Game of Owns. However, if you're on this long and uh, taxing bike ride across several different states. You know, we should Skype out Kate right now, who has just finished. She just tweeted this a minute ago that she finished her bike ride from Seattle to Portland. Unbelievable. It's like 200 miles. (laughs) This is the Kate Update podcast. Right now, she is in Oregon. You're without Kate this week. We always like to introduce at the beginning of the episode all of our lovely voices. Of course, you have Zach Louie over there, Micah Tannenbaum, who's watching the game. And I am yours truly, Eric Skull. <laughs> no, we're just going to call you yours truly from now on. <laughs> we're happy that you all joined us. It's uh, another fateful Monday, and you may be wondering, where's all the talk about Jamie? He's still got Ooh. two hands. It's a worthwhile subject, I believe. But we decided, <laughs> due to what Eric was just saying, you know, Kate is on this ridiculous bike ride across several states, consuming lots of water, extra for hydrational purposes. So we here at the show thought, why don't we wrangle stuff in? And talk about all this crazy news that's been happening in Westeros. Well, no, I mean, I think you you raise a good point, though. I mean, given the characters that are in this chapter and and the fact that that's really the the start of the book, right? I mean, the prologue is a great introduction, but that's really where we start to see from the characters' perspectives that we're going to be seeing for the rest of the book or we've seen in previous books and 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 with jamie it's a completely new uh Mm -hmm. perspective we've never seen uh through his eyes before and uh, we know a lot of what's going to happen with him because of the tv show and so it's going to be uh, a lot of fun being behind the eyes of yet another lannister because really we've only seen from Tyrion's perspective up until this point just to tease what's going to happen in our next episode when we actually approach the chapter uh, I did read it today, and man, it was cool. <laughs> I'll just say that it was interesting to see it from Jamie's perspective. Finally, like it was, it was much different because I went back and I I read some of the last exchanges with Jamie and Catelyn from Clash, and then mm-hmm. sort of mixed it with what I was reading uh, today. And I was just like, wow, this is you know, it, it, it's cohesive, but it's different. So it, there'll, there'll be a lot to look forward to in the next episode. Oh yeah, for sure. But in the meantime, we have had just a ton. Of news. And, and this is what I like about a series kind of being in its heyday is that even though the TV show has gone off air for too long a period of time, uh, almost an entire year now, uh, <laughs> we're all like internally sulking about this. Right. But you, you still have a ton of news, even in our, on a random Sunday afternoon in the middle of July, you have a ton of Game of Thrones news that you can talk about both book and and show related mm-hmm. yeah just on a random sunday today we found out that filming in sibenek croatia will definitely be happening for season five so for you readers out there that understand some of the more delicious things maybe you guys can guess what you'll be seeing <laughs> it's always so difficult to to talk about this kind of stuff especially when you get filming locations i mean certainly the places that we've been to before 
aren't as much of a shock and people can kind of figure out, oh, we're going back here, we're going back there next season. Right. But when you start to throw in different locations, specifically, we've seen a lot of talk about Spain uh, being utilized this season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and a lot of speculation around Dorn uh, being utilized. There might have even been a little confirmation there uh, that, <laughs> that that's what uh, the these different locales in Spain are going to be used for, but... It just, it's amazing to see just this ever expanding geography for this show and just the number of different locations that they're shooting in. It, it's amazing with the amount of money they're given, which at the end of the day isn't a whole lot, uh, that they can go to all these places and get what we see, you know, for a 10 week period. Um, on the TV show. Yeah, and we, we got to see a load of that polish in the most recent season because I feel like this is where, obviously, we've we've spoken about the show is really starting to hit its stride. But I think that the confidence from, from this great season leading right into season five, I mean, like right now, a lot of the big decisions are still happening. We are getting casting news sent to us from people around the world that work in places that are just nearby where they think Thrones might be getting filmed. Like, it, it is, it's a really sort of interesting time because like Micah said we are away from the show right now but people are still so damn excited about what just happened they want to know what's going to happen in in season five and they want to know how the executive producers are going to approach making the series I mean we're getting tip emails constantly about casting calls for extras and things that are just popping up all over the place little small businesses that are holding specials you know and it's just like uh, in different parts of the world things are heating up and they're excited it's almost like a massive film is getting made or something but really it's just a tv show getting filmed in different parts of the world but people are like really really jazzed it's happening near them yeah i mean i would be too (laughs) right it's 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 a shame that uh I don't want to say Chicago's nothing to look at, but uh, they they aren't looking at it. <laughs> that would be some weird flash forwards, I think. Yeah, I think it's a little too uh, urbanized for uh, Game of Thrones. Well, I don't know. You get out to the fields, and uh, I guess they could film fields anywhere. But uh, it's cool to know that you know a lot of the money isn't being poured into really, really, really good indoor sets that you'll see in films like The Hobbit. Right. A lot of the effects in this show, as far as the scenery is concerned, are practical. You know, they're using a lot of foreground practical things. There was something posted on the site. I think it was yesterday or today. A guy that was behind the scenes on season three had been taking photos, and he was basically embargoed. He couldn't post them anywhere until a year no that th- yeah this was just today still posted by lightbringer and there's a whole gallery of these photos and knowing that you know if if a bullring is an important place to film rather than them just getting a nice pit of sand with very tall green screen walls they might actually just go to a bullring and see what they can make out of it you know that's cool that's really cool and of course that bullring you're talking about is uh, on this post about using the locations in seville and osuna i believe in Espanola. spain and this is just it's the same you know very similar story to the town in Croatia you look at it and it looks like it's on you know or from the show you know put a little window dressing get rid of it, get rid of some of the little sponsor banners that are <laughs> you know soup it up soup it up a little bit and uh immediately you could be that you'd be looking at Dorne you could be looking at somewhere else in King's Landing or somewhere in Essos it's just pretty exciting that uh a lot of this stuff comes ready made Almost. You just have to know where to look and you have to be willing to go far enough. Yeah, there's two different sides to ingesting this news, though. Eric and I, we're, we're just, these these look these look great. This is cool. I wonder what's <laughs> going to happen here. But Micah and the rest of the camp, all of you guys listening there, Sully, are just like, yeah, well, this could be, I, I, I really like 
that perspective, I think it's neat to to be, you know, like, well, this building could clearly be used for this if they put black bars on the door. So that's cool. Like, I'm glad that a large number of you get to experience that part of the yeah. news. It, it is two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, use, to use Kate's uh, analogy. But <laughs> yeah, because the way that I look at it is you, you see a particular location and and then you yourself you start to wonder what could this possibly be utilized for and yeah. then I'm somebody who can immediately jump to the comments and see what people are saying and highlight over that that black uh, bar that gets put over the text uh, because of course I've read through uh, the series so nothing is really going to spoil me uh, unlike you know if either of you did that so uh, it's it's always interesting to see because not everybody's always in agreement on on what it could possibly be used for but when you get something as specific as what looks to be a bullfighting ring uh, you know, you're, there, there's only so many things that that can be utilized for right. in the series, uh, knowing at least what's been written so far. I mean, if they're going to start to pull in things that haven't appeared in the books yet, then who knows what that can be. But yeah. I, I just love the, I was talking about this before, the way that they're just always willing to utilize these iconic parts of the world mm-hmm. that maybe not a lot of people even know about. I mean, or, or you wouldn't think would prominently feature into uh, uh, the story. It's just, it's cool that, that they're willing to just go out there and they're like, oh yeah, let's check this out. Let's check that out. I mean, we'll go to Spain. We'll go to Iceland. We'll go to Croatia. Mm-hmm. We'll go to all these different countries. And it just, it <laughs> makes Game of Thrones yeah. into being what it is. And, and that's just unbelievable that you think like, what close to ten countries that they film in uh, around the world? It's insane. The other, the other part of it too is that this arena. That, for instance, um, you know, just because we're we're already talking about it, we'd see the photo on the, the news post here. Um, this arena has its own history. This arena has its own glory. Its own, you know, it came to being probably several centuries ago, built, etc. Game of Thrones is a footnote in the story of this arena, you know, but it's right. it's it's so it makes it so relevant to current you know today so it's it's nice to see these places that have existed for such a long time be repurposed um or just borrowed you know for the show to be something else for a day i'm glad that all of this exists for people that are interested in seeing the news because the show is over and seeing all of these potential places that are going to eventually be put on screen with vivid color is a good way to just spark the conversation and keep it thriving and it's just been so far a pretty lucky on season. I don't see the momentum chilling out. I think that we're seeing, I mean, we saw a season four that was unlike any season we've had previous. I think that we're about to see an on season that's been unlike any that we've seen in the previous on seasons. Right. And and I think that's actually a great segue into talking about, (laughs) no, I do. I do because you You did it without even trying my, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's great. See, you, this means we're all getting better at it, right? That we're not even thinking about the segues. Speak and for yourself. Just, I love segue. I think about segues every day. Eric, we know you have a book that you just write new ones in and you, you try and go through them each, uh, each week will. to see yeah, if Maybe you I'll can publish that, that one of these on seasons. You yeah. should. You should uh, tweet it out or something like that. I'll but, go on your book tour with you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, next? You can actually ride a Segway yes. on the Segway oh, book tour. God. Oh, and man. And that's how you get around from city to city. I can see that right now. Eric and Zach's Segway Segway tour. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I think it would be great. 
Uh, Mike uh, has got to come too, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll stop by. <laughs> I want to ride in one of your backpacks. You can stop. You can you can be our guest reader for the uh, segues of of all time, the the classic ones. <laughs> so uh, be sure to go out and see Zach uh, and Eric uh, later on this summer on their Segway Segway tour. <laughs> August first to the thirtieth will be in all fifty states, ten counties in each state. Oh my! There'll be a no sleep. You know, kind of dangerous to well, drive. You need as much time like to party, travel as possible. Actually. No, this honestly, that sounds like a memorable tail end of a summer. I wouldn't oppose it. If anybody yeah. listening wants to go, you can come too. We'll just have a. Now caravan. we just have to write the book. Yeah. I'll rent a tour bus. I, I could see George R. R. Martin writing a Segway, couldn't you? <laughs> what writing? Is this a segue? As in writing, or writing as in being on? Either, both. He could write segways probably while he's on the segway. Actually, no, he spoke specifically about his writing style. And this is a great segue. Thank you, Micah, because he was talking about the writing conditions, the conditions under which he writes. And we know that he does not write when he is mobile. Uh, so if he was on a segway, he would not be writing a segway. Let's just say that. This interview in particular is memorable for another reason, which is that George R.R. R. Martin says, fuck you. To people who say that he's going to die and question his health. Well, I, I like his candidness. I mean, I I can't be mad at an author. Or, I mean, I look at it as as from a from a personal standpoint. Look, people are always going to want an author to write faster. But let's let's be realistic. Aside from people who had read the books and were really passionate, right about about the series. Prior to the TV show coming out, I don't think you had this level of pressure. Uh, and I, I think that it, the show becoming what it has, has added additional people who want to see this book series finish sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I can't fault a guy if he gets angry and wants to tell somebody to fuck off, even though he did so in a joking way, right? I mean, you think he's going to die before he finishes writing A Song of Ice and Fire. If you're that guy, how do you react? Can we just talk about how morose that is? Like, I understand that George is a man. He's 65. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when it becomes okay to, you know, because there's so many lines that are that are just kind of blurry now when it comes to how you talk and and consider people, especially uh, on the internet, because it may not seem like it's complete public speaking, but it is public speaking when you post anything online. So saying things and kind of creating a fervor about, oh, George, I hope you finish the books before you pass away. <laughs> Damn, that's rough when you think about it from the perspective of the man, because he's just a guy who grew up like we did, who's working hard at something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, I, I have to say it's probably about time um, that he said something like this. Right. To be honest, maybe, I mean, maybe he said it before. I don't, I don't know. This was, this was a pretty epic. It's a video. It's on video. So yeah. Yeah. And he, and he flips the, he flips the, he flips he gives the, the whole thing. No, it. it was great. Yeah. I think it was incredibly punk rock. Good on George R. R. Martin for even in the face of massive critical success. Unlike a lot of authors, this is a level that very few reach. And, uh, he's just remained himself throughout the entire thing. And I think that that's admirable because, you know, a lot of people could sort of hide behind a shell and maybe just dig their head in and try to please the world. But you know, he's living his life. He's doing his stuff. And you know, he, he wants to make the book series as good as it can be because at the end of the day, when he is gone, that's going to be what he leaves behind. Yeah. It, it, it very much reminds me of the, the situation that JK Rowling was put in Eric and, and you know what I'm referring to, right? Um, no, I'm trying to remember. Are you talking you about like keeping up with the movies? 
Yeah, keeping up with the movies, and and she's admitted in the past that uh, you know she had to write quicker, yeah, uh, than she otherwise would have liked because uh-huh. she had to basically keep up with Hollywood, and I think that you know that is not fair to somebody who is you know trying to tell their story. I mean, she's going to sell as many copies of her book no matter when it is released, and I just think that was a situation possibly where Warner Brothers didn't want to have to potentially pass what she was writing. And, and I think you're getting into a similar situation. I think it's much more realistic, though, that certain things in the HBO series can and will surpass uh, what uh, George R. R. Martin has, has published. But look, I think we all understand the concern, but I, I think it's the same for anybody out there. You know, Just because George R. R. Martin is not a spring chicken, right? And mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Like, I, I, I don't understand. Any, anything can happen to anybody at any given time. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's just so, um, the fact that he was asked that by a reporter just befuddles my mind because it seems like it's something that could kind of stay in the background. Like people can ask the question, you know, you know, fans can talk about it, uh, because it's something that does cross readers minds let's not you know pretend like it doesn't sure sure but at the same time you know if george r R. martin decided to come on the podcast next week i don't think that's one of the first questions that we would ask him (laughs) when he you know he responded before just saying fuck you okay he didn't go out like sort of guns a blazing here with the the birds everywhere (laughs) fuck you fuck you fuck you i mean he said i find that question pretty offensive frankly when people start speculating you can't help to how could he help to but but to find that uh, question offensive. So I, I think it's important that this question was asked. It's an example of poor journalism um, or poor, poor taste or, you know, perhaps the wrong thing was stated. Perhaps that never should have made it out there. But because it did and because his response was, I think, pretty balanced. <laughs> if you can balance something off. No, that was balanced. Yeah. The bird. I mean, and leave. still, as you say, being himself, um, which is which is important that he's maintained this. Just reality, the same personage this whole time. He did do it in his own way. He gave a little chuckle at the end, but mm-hmm. <laughs> look, uh, I don't. I think he did what probably a lot of people uh, would have done uh, if they were in his situation, or what probably maybe some people would have liked to have done if they were in his situation. Maybe people would be more more reserved in their response when something like that is asked. But if you think about it, I, I don't. You can't. What are you no, going to say? A, it's a tough topic. I mean, the thing is, I don't think I can't see this going any way else for him other than a good way. You know, this, this can oh, be yeah. nothing but good for him. I mean, I, it just totally nobody can be like offended by what he said because you're talking about a guy asking him if he's if he has ever given thought to whether or not he'll die before he finishes his life's work. I know this guy is a a rock star living in modern day. You know, and it's not something that's politically incorrect that you can't talk about death to people. No, really. The nature of it was just n- not very humane at the, on the base level of that. It's like wonderful job for everything that you do. You've created a worldwide phenomenon. People, their lives, their their dreams, their aspirations. A lot of things can be affected by such a strong story. Do you think you'll finish it? You know, it's just like, come on. No. <laughs> on, on the flip side of all of this, you know, apart from just the the isolated incident and what it is, you know, I think it really just stems from their unbridled love for the subject material and their just endless love for the series. They, they really enjoy the story and they want to see it fleshed out to its full spectrum. And I think that the way this man works is probably going to breed the best story, the most cohesive 
the most epic story. There's just beyond ridiculous amounts of pressure on him, I'm sure. There's some recent words from executives at HBO who were speaking at the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour. And mm-hmm. basically the gist of all that, uh, if you read the article on the website, is that things are good. They have a working relationship with George that is basically like, you keep writing and we'll keep making the show. And so far, it's been working. We just walked away with 19 or 20 Emmy nominations. I mean, it's right. all an exciting time. When this podcast was started years back, uh, I don't think anyone expected the Game of Thrones phenomenon to reach the White House or the links that it has so far this year. But, uh, you know, to see people that are so business minded talking about a show that we nerds all like with our swords and shields and magical fire. You know, it's just, it's funny almost in a way. Yeah. It's, I think about it in the context of even going to work and how many people will just on a Monday morning be talking about Game of Thrones. And it's become this crazy phenomenon, like you said. And, uh, I think in a way, book readers are, are, are less concerned about, you know, the, the question that was asked and the answer that he gave, but, more so about just him not writing. Yeah. Right. He's, he, but at the same time, you know, if, if any of us were in his position, you have to look at the, the success that this show and as a result, I would say that the book series has had because the book series wasn't as popular, wasn't as mainstream. The show comes along and it blows it out of the water so that now here you have an extremely popular book series on top of a television show. And so he's going to get opportunities to now travel extensively around the world and Mm -hmm. to talk about it and to do all these great things. And if any of us were in that position, any of us, right, I think without question, we would be doing all these things. So he's got a lot more responsibilities, too. I mean, guiding the show along, as Mm -hmm. uh, Dave and Dan always say that that he is, and even these HBO execs are having this relationship where George is approving all the plot structures, even if it does go into the unknown territory. You know, he's there working on the show, basically, with them. And, you know, from the other article where he said, F you, he tell you know, he says he doesn't write when he travels. He, He writes from home. And for me, there's something comforting in knowing that all the books were written in the same damn room. That's kind That's of cool true. if you're thinking about seven or eight thousand words, or sorry, thousand pages uh, of material being written in the same room. I mean, talk about a opportunity for a museum one day, but you know, it's it's kind of cool. But now, as you say, there's just so many more opportunities for him to be distracted, and it's not that he's distracted because he doesn't care. It's just that this series has blown up to the, this epic point where he's needed elsewhere you know, for other tasks. I can't function a perspective on the man's work habits. This is, you know, that's a completely separate thing that I don't really believe that many people should have opinions on because it's, it's just, it's just, it's a personal thing. But um, I sit here today with just umpteen amounts of respect for someone who's able to put together the words that we have been reading. I know we did the prologue last week and, you know, taking in the first Jamie chapter now, it's just really good to dive back into the books and sort of focus on that side of everything. And let me tell you, Everyone listening, if you're not reading along with us, these books are great. And these first mm-hmm. two chapters so far have been very vivid and super interesting. And coming from just watching the show and seeing a lot of these characters performed very, very well by these actors, it's cool to dive back into their story roots and see where that inspiration came from. Oh, yeah, very much. And, and uh, CEO of HBO, say that 10 times fast, Richard Plepler, um, 
recently talked about, and this is the same article uh, where the execs are on on the Television Critics Association summer press tour. Um, he said, you know, this this whole phenomenon. Um, he says, and I quote, what we knew is that it was a great series of books in the hands of two superb writers who were great showrunners, but that it would turn into the biggest show in the history of our network was completely unpredictable. He even says if we knew we'd be bottling it, um, all you can do is go along with it. So HBO is sweeped away. I mean, think yeah. about how George feels. His book series, you know, has gone, as you say, Mike, a mainstream because of this show, but it's even a, a, as a show, it's extremely successful and it's the most popular most expensive show that exists on television. It's just, it's, it's crazy to think about how busy these guys are and for them to still sit down and do interviews is really quite shocking. Yeah, I agree. And, and the point that I was making though is, is that why wouldn't you look to sop every minute of that up? If you're the <laughs> author of the series, I, you know, you get to travel to all different countries throughout the world, whether it's doing a master class at, at a, oh, at a Swiss college or university, mm. you know, whether it's going to San Diego for Comic Con or, Going to the Barclays Center in in New York to for, celebrate your work. Oh, that's yeah. So cool. You know the, the people so cool. who are on top of him to you know you you need to get this book written and get <laughs> it published by tomorrow. You know the guy has a feeling for when it's the right time for him to do that, and he says himself. He says these books are massive. They're and there's so much story that he still is looking to tell and he needs time to be able to put that all together. If, if you go back and look at the gaps between when these books were released in the past, you know, we're not talking about like one or two years here. You know, this is a series that's been spanned over what, at least 20 years at this point. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're a fan, if you're a reader, you want it to be done the right way. You don't want it to be rushed. You don't want him to, you know, not feel as if he completed it in the right way because he was feeling pressure to get it done. You know, people are still waiting for, what is it, Goonies 2 to come out <laughs> for 25, 30 years now, however long it's been. Uh, you know, we have the capacity to wait. There's not, and it's like, we can wait. It's, it's really just, uh, people get really excited and, and they want, they want it now. It's the world of instant gratification. Um, but in order for these to be the best books that they can be, we need to wait. And it, I, I just think that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, not being some, maybe it's because I came into this with the show first and now I'm reading the books, but you know, I like the books even more than the show just from reading the first two, oh, yeah. but you know, but I'm also totally okay with waiting, you know, I mean, we're going to have the, the show to really forge ahead, which I think, you know, they're saying isn't exactly happening next season, but eventually I think it will. But that doesn't mean that I hate, like, like the books any less or right. more, or I'm just, I'm waiting for, I'll see what he writes as being the official product all the time. Um, but the adaptation, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Everybody's still going to watch it and we just have to wait, man. It's just, that's just how it, how it works. That's how it, there's only a limited number of time, you know, in the day for him to be doing this. That's just what it's all about though. The ride. You know, our experience throughout the entire process is really what we're going to take away from it, not the, you know, small bits of information here and there. Like the whole experience, I think, is the is the full picture. Mm -hmm. We're definitely being taken through that process now with four seasons of the show, with two books yet to release and just weird rumors and talks about extra book, you know, a movie. It's just like, who knows? We honestly don't know. I think a lot of it depends on what ends up happening with the popularity of the show, like whether it wanes, whether it somehow increases like the universe just keeps expanding and there's no real explanation for it other than matter that isn't measurable even on a subatomic level. So it's just like, it's, it's just the same thing here. 
We don't know, but I think it's good to take a step back and just relax and let those stresses be their stresses. Let our worries be enjoying what they've made, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let us just have fun with the product and all the busy work. Leave that to the people that are getting paid for it because we're not getting paid to enjoy it. Yeah, but it would be nice to get a couple of awards for what we do. I don't Let's just go talk to our buddy Todd Cochran. We, we got to get on the uh, podcast awards. I think that that's a good uh, way to to start talking about awards, right? On, awards, uh, oh, on yes, a higher yes. level, just an unbelievable season, and uh, I think that as a result of that, uh, Game of Thrones got uh, its its proper recognition: twenty Emmy nominations, twenty twenty two zero Emmy nominations this year. Unbelievable! That is uh, more than everyone else. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's always a good way of looking at it. This is a massive list. Um, and seeing some of the episodes that the awards are for, you just have to remember, just like, God, how good was the directing and the watchers on the wall? How good was the um, makeup and Oathkeeper? You know, it's, it's kind of cool for the individual, um, each of these little awards. But looking at it on the whole and seeing this, there are still, you know, certain actors who you think, man, they were amazing, but on a cast this big you know, they're not going to be the ones who end up getting nominated. Um, I mean, supporting actress, for instance, Lena Headey, um, you know, I can think of five other supporting actresses who did phenomenal, superb jobs, right. um, you know, as well. But it's still a ton of awards. The show suffers in the best way possible from having this burgeoning cast that will never quite all individually get the recognition that they perhaps deserve from outlets. But that's just, that's that's not necessarily what award seasons are even you know, meant for either. I mean, I, I think that if Game of Thrones walks away with even, you know, five or six of these, it's still going to be, you know, a huge the deal. best ones or, or at least, you know, where true achievement really happened, the right sort of proper kind of uh, recognition there for the show. Yeah. I mean, I'm not somebody who knows a whole lot um, about these award shows or, you know, sort of the, the inner workings. Uh, I, I always hear that, uh, you know, sort of the, the people who are responsible for making the, the, the ultimate decisions as to who wins are a bit more old school. Uh, so, so I think for a series like this, uh, which is more fantasy based, uh, to get this many nominations, yes. uh, is, is pretty epic. And, uh, I, I agree with what you were saying, Eric. I think, you know, Maisie Williams, uh, Sophie Turner, uh, certainly could go into that supporting actress category. Yeah. I know Amelia Clark was nominated last year. Um, but, but again, it's, it, 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 it is, as you pointed out, this constant, um, battle between screen time, uh, for a lot of these actors and actresses because mm-hmm. the cast is so big and there's so many good people who are, you know, playing these roles that it, it is, it's hard to decide. Uh, you know, who do you want to put out there for a nomination? And, and I think sometimes it's not even that, not who do you want, but who do you think has the best chance of, of being recognized in the right way mm. by the, the people who ultimately make these decisions? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you could fill the supporting actors category with all actresses just from Game of Thrones, but really, I mean, that's, that's not in necessarily the spirit of what the Emmys are versus right. what we have with the Wicknet Awards or with Game of Thrones. I mean, we, we right. do this, we do this every episode. Oh, look, <laughs> there are other great television shows out there or, or online shows. And I'm not, uh, I'm not looking to take away from that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it just, uh, to prove my point though, I think you can look at somebody like, uh, Diana Rigg getting a outstanding guest actress nomination and, 
let's face it, she wasn't on the show that much this year. Oh, but she was an outstanding guest actress. <laughs> no, she was. I, she was, but I mean, that, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, who she is and mm. uh, versus somebody like Pedro Pascal, who doesn't get nominated for outstanding guest actor. And no. which is basically a, stole outrage, the whole season. An outrage. It's a scandal. I mean, comparatively speaking, and I haven't watched every show on TV, and I certainly haven't watched every show that's been nominated, but God damn it, he stole the season <laughs> he from one of the year, year's most insane television shows ever. And oh, preach. I'm just saying, I'm just as the role by definition of what he was supposed to do, literally the execution has never been better than that that I've ever seen. I mean, people that don't even like Game of Thrones that I know who have just caught the episodes, like they just caught the one episode where he died in it. They're like, oh, they killed that good guy. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you liked him. Yeah. I don't no, know. I mean, he just, he just established such a presence from the first episode, from, from, the, from the premiere. And he became an immediate fan favorite. And like you said, he did everything that he was supposed to do yeah. as a guest actor. And, and if you ask somebody what season four uh, you know, one thing from season four, I think most people would say Oberyn Martell. Tell your father I'm here. Tell him. Mm-hmm. Tell him I'm here. What a surprise to see this many nominations. I know that in the past, we've certainly had letdowns on this podcast, for one, just being excited. Like, let's do the, we can't wait to do the Emmy episode. And then, you know, the night comes yeah. and we're going to record after. And literally, there's nothing to report on. Because yeah. yet again, a show like Thrones maybe doesn't get the same you know, respect around the world. But I just feel like this year, those in charge or you know, whoever is involved with the decision-making process, the fervor around Thrones worked. Yeah. It definitely did. It definitely did. There's there's no question. I mean, I just look at all these different categories. It's from prosthetic makeup for a series uh, to, you know, special visual effects. I mean, certainly a lot of the dragon stuff comes to mind the white walkers uh the, the crazy yeah bravos this the crazy Beautiful. skeletons uh yeah, outside were, of uh, uh the the children of the forest cave or whatever the hell you want to call, call that tree thing. yeah the uh, <laughs> the tree yeah exactly and, and zach could you be up here outstanding interactive program game of thrones premiere facebook live and instagram Oh, maybe. Did, did you participate in that? I did. There you go. Oh, that's well, weird. They better send you an Emmy if they win. <laughs> that's funny. Well, let's just go through this damn list. First off, everybody listening, we're obviously very passionate about this. So thanks for sticking oh, yeah. around. Um, Outstanding drama series, which is an honor. We're talking about being in the company yeah. of shows like Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, uh, True Detective, which in its first year... Like, what up, HBO? Killing it. Yeah. House of Cards, great company, also lots yeah, of competition. Yeah, House of Cards, awesome show. You can't feel bad about losing to any of those people. Well, except Breaking Bad, aren't they? Didn't they go off the air last <laughs> year? I mean, come on, you're done. Like, are they going to be nominated next year again, too? I mean, no, this is the last year, but... And can we just say that both Woody Harrelson and, and Matthew McConaughey were, were nominated for Best Actor Yeah, from True Detective? Yeah. So, not only Game of Thrones cleaning up, I think... Thrones' success is just so good for HBO in general, so awesome. But yeah, we, we have, of course, the, the main, you know, uh, award that you could possibly go for is Outstanding Series, Outstanding Drama Series, uh, which Game of Thrones is nominated for. Yeah, I mean, outside of the the main category, we already mentioned Outstanding Supporting Actress for Lena Headey. And then outstanding supporting actor for Peter, uh, yeah, Peter Jinkovich. If he wins, they should play that as he walks. They should play. 
<laughs> they should play that. Or his acceptance speech should be the same speech as in the episode in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> but I know they did put in for uh, Charles Dance as well, uh, though that didn't uh, end up uh, happening. But That's a shame. I hope he knows that we love him. No Jack Gleason. Of course, guest actress Diana Rigg. There's a lot of uh, the more technical awards, um, or what I would consider to be more technical, but it's just writing, directing. Uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss for writing. Neil Marshall for directing The Watchers on the Wall. Casting. Now, here's an award that I really would like to see go to them. Outstanding casting. Yes. And this isn't, I mean, you could, of course, comment more, Micah, from actually knowing these characters prior to seeing them on TV. Um, but it seems like each of the actors ever picked for this show really succeed at being engaging and captivating and going kind of the full distance with each of these characters that they're entrusted with. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any question. I think that uh, they do an amazing casting job. And, and I think, you know, we were just talking about uh, Oprah and Martell earlier. That's a perfect example. I mean, it's just they seem to hit the nail on the head every yeah. time when they introduce, whether it's a, you know, a major character that we're going to be seeing for multiple seasons or, you know, somebody that they're introducing for one season or, you know, I just feel the level of detail <laughs> even down to the whores. I mean, they, <laughs> Great, uh, like Serial Pharrell. Joking, Cereal Pharrell. Come on, we're still talking yes. about Serial Pharrell. Well, he should have been bald, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but Nina Gold and Robert Stern, thank you for casting such an incredible series. It's a it's a common phrase on Wick and Nina Gold. We trust, uh, and like Micah was saying, Oberyn Martell, Pedro Pascal, perfect example of a job well done. And also really, really exciting that Ramin Jawadi was nominated for original dramatic score. Like that's crazy. No, I, I actually have his um his first season, the, the just the music of it. It's crazy, man. Outstanding. It's, it really is. And you know, things like this, the cinematography, you're almost not supposed to notice, you know, editing, for instance, you're not supposed right. to notice. But at the same time, uh you really if you ever ha- have like an audio only track or you set it aside and just listen to the music, it's it's amazing. It's crazy what he's able to compose. It's all original, it's not taken from any anything else and it fits because we're never distracted by it just to have a slugger like that working on music you're confident Mm -hmm. going into the episode creation like when it comes time he's just gonna kill it yep he's gonna kill it for us yep so i mean part of what made the show get this many nominations i mean there's art direction there's cinematography for both two swords and the line of the rose two different nominations for two different episodes costumes for line of the rose hairstyling for line of the rose uh, prosthetics for the children and Oathkeeper, sound editing for the Watchers on the Wall, which was crazy. You know, that was the episode. I mean, obviously it would go for that, for that episode. Mm-hmm. God, sound mixing for the Watchers on the Wall, special and visual effects just in general for the series, stunt coordination. I mean, literally it's just, yeah, it's not outstanding yeah. stunt coordination. I like that. I don't think there's another show that can have a giant, right? Shoot a bow and arrow, <laughs> have it <laughs> oh, go through God. a guy on top of a wall that's 700 feet high and then fall down to his it's death. It's more like a bow and flagpole is what he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the flag. Well, the fletching kind of, yeah. No, you're right, Mike. And that's a great point. I mean, the scale of what we're seeing, if you're listening to this podcast, there's no question in your mind. So let's just all enjoy this together right now. This, this is the afterglow of season four. And I hope that we can walk away with any of these awards, but it is a true honor just to love a show so much that is it's like when your team wins the super bowl sort of it's just like it's true honor to see how many um nominations are coming out of this i'm glad people are recognizing the skill and the, the work that these people are putting in it's a lot and, it, and you think about it it all results in just 10 hours of tv yeah um, a lot of these other shows are are you know 
have have far more episodes than than just ten. So I mean, I, I just think that that's amazing, and I think you you can get a full feel and scope for season four when you look at the fact that there are these many nominations, but the episodes aren't just. It's not just like they're not just focusing on the line and the rose, the the wedding episode, which you know was was a great episode. There was there are so many good episodes this season that yeah. they could really kind of pick yeah. and choose and say, mm-hmm. oh, we want to do this, we want to do that. And there's a good chance that they could walk away with a lot of these awards. Fingers crossed. That would be just nuts, I, especially after the last few years. I'm, I'm hoping, just not that it's important because it doesn't matter, but I'm hoping. Daring to hope. Just because, damn it, right? Just because. They need to return to the king this. They need to sweep the whole thing. <sighs> yes. Well, I'm sure that uh, a lot of the listeners have their thoughts about all these Emmy nominations, and uh, they can certainly send us their feedback, and we can share that on upcoming episodes. And I know that there's one man on the show that week in and week out, no matter what, knows where those places are that listeners can go to to get in contact with us. Yeah, we can depend on him. <laughs> I have them tattooed on my inner um, wrist. Thigh. So the Twitter, <laughs> the Twitter address, if you'd like to tweet at us, we are on Twitter, twitter.com slash game of owns. That's the most popular form of communication if you want to get a hold of us as far as i know um then of course there's our facebook wall you can scroll upon our wall facebook.com slash game of owns and if you're old school but not so old school that you wouldn't happen to have a computer and an internet connection you can email us we're located at contact at game of that's our email inbox send us a letter drop us a line sometime we talked about some news today and things that were important to us in this world of game of thrones we will be absorbing your Jamie Chapter One related tweets and owns as well, folks. Yeah, looking forward. Uh, you know, when you put Jamie and Brienne together with mm-hmm. a little uh, Cleos Frey, you never know what you're going to get, right? Right. I, I know <laughs> we are uh, kind of nearing the end of the episode here, but uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, George R. R. Martin did this master class. Uh, earlier on in the week, yes, it was, it was within the same mm-hmm. kind of general time frame as he told people to go fuck themselves. Uh, but <laughs> but he was he was much more reason. <laughs> Look, uh, there were semantics. I mean, come on, it's the same thing, really. Right. But uh, no, we uh, he was much more uh, reserved in his vocabulary uh, when he uh, when he did this masterclass, and it's really great. Uh, to kind of just sit back and watch. If you have a little bit of time, I think it's still available through live stream, right? Yeah, you can watch it on Wix. You can watch it on winnerscoming.net. And uh, he, he talks about all the different um, pieces that he's worked on throughout his career. I was actually uh, pretty surprised, sort of the knowledge base of the person interviewing him, talking about all the different works um, that uh, he's done throughout his career, right. and uh, he he talks a lot about his past and about growing up, um, you know, and uh, about all the different uh, things he's worked on, you know, uh, in television, and then also obviously the, the different pieces that he's written. So there is a there is a Q and A towards the end uh, where almost all of the questions uh, are focused on Game of Thrones. Uh, but uh, I just found it really cool to sit back and and listen to him speak Absolutely. for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, this is an, an incredible opportunity for all of us to learn a little bit more about the process and the mind of the person that actually built everything that you care about when it comes to all of this. So you should 
you should definitely check it out. I've watched it probably twice by now. I know that uh, George R. R. Martin lays a certain, I guess, theory or misconception to rest. He kind of fixes it, but it's crazy to think that even though, you know, in this episode, we're talking all about these, these Emmys that are happening. Isn't it crazy to think that perhaps one day something in the Game of Thrones universe could be up for an Academy Award? We live in an exciting time right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Exciting for the show. All of the Emmy nods. We've got the author conducting a masterclass, living life right now, still in the middle of writing the books. We are literally right now living the exciting times, people. So hold on tight. We return to a storm of swords next week. Right now, though, I feel like it's fitting to leave you with a few minutes of the sweet, sweet sound of the voice of George R.R. Martin. We will say goodbye until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Till next time. Um, so, uh, good afternoon. I think I speak for everywhere. Um, everyone here in this room when I say that it's really a pleasure to have you here in the Châtel. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask you um, about your thoughts uh, regarding an upcoming movie of the Game of Thrones uh, series. Um, do you feel like it's necessary because we all agree that the format of a TV show is more convenient if you, will, you want to tell stories rather than a three-hour or two-hour-long movie. You know, this idea has been kicking around for, for a while. I, I've been asked about this, and, and somehow a misconception is getting out that I'm the one that's urging that we end this series with a movie. Let me make it clear that I'm not. I think it's a good idea, but it's not my idea. Um, to end this with a series of big movies. The, you know, the, the question that we face with the show is that the books continue to get bigger and bigger, and the show really can't get much bigger. We already have, we're the most expensive show on television, the most expensive on television show in the world right now, and we have the biggest cast, as far as I know, of any show on television. We can't keep adding characters and making the show more and more expensive. We're pushing up against the limits there. So we either have to make some cuts going forward and simplify the story, or we have to increase the format. And, of course, one way to do that, uh, one way to get a lot more money is to go with a motion picture budget rather than a television budget. Uh, you know, a big fantasy motion picture like one of the Peter Dinklage things, ha you have like $200 million for three hours while one of our shows, we have like $60 million for 10 hours. So there's a huge difference. And I happen to know, um, someone has told me, uh, some source that I won't name, that there will be some major battles coming up and some dragon action and <laughs> some stuff with the wall and White Walkers that looks to be kind of expensive. So... <laughs> How are we going to do that? I don't know. Um, but I'm not saying that they're going to happen. Please don't misquote me here. I'm not saying that they're going to happen, and it's not my idea. It's just an idea that I've endorsed, let us say. Um, and I'd love to see it, but I think the odds are probably against it. I'm probably not going to happen, but maybe. Who knows? We're still, you know, one season at a time. Right now, we're making season five. They're, they're finishing the scripts. They're going to start production. They're doing sites on, on that. So that's about all I can say about the movies. Um, is, was that the last question yes. here? Okay, yes. let me say we're going to have a book signing now, and uh, I'll, I'll be scrolling my illegible scroll in your books as you, as you come up and come past. <laughs>